Hello everyone, welcome to the Edinburgh Film Podcast, episode 16. This podcast is brought to you by Film Studies at the University of Edinburgh. My name is Kat Becker and I will be hosting this season of the podcast. Today I have with me Dr. David Sofa. Hello David. Hi. And we have two guests today. Hello Esther and Chantal. Hi there. Hello. So you two have a festival coming up this month. Uh, it's called News From Home. And... Can we just maybe talk about a little bit about that? Maybe you could introduce yourselves and um, talk about what you do. So my name is uh, Esther Shimor, and uh, I'm a PhD candidate in film studies here at the University of Edinburgh. And I'm working on absurd humor and contemporary European cinema. And um, actually, Chantal had the idea of the film festival, and we created this initiative with two or four uh, colleagues and basically the idea is that everyone is from a different discipline. So we have film studies, Japanese studies, French studies and English literature and that everybody brings a film from their uh, respective uh, cultures or home countries. And then I'll give the word yeah. to you. <laughs> um, hello, my name is Chantal Vatalampi and I'm doing a PhD in Japanese studies with a focus on post Fukushima Japanese cinema. Um, yeah, so I had the idea because Esther and I have been going to a lot of festivals, including Berlin, Cannes, you went to South by Southwest, I went to uh, San Sebastian, <laughs> so pretty much around the world. And uh, we had this bit of frustration that a lot of the festivals are about the red carpet and the stars and all that, and it's not so much about the audience. And quite often, you know, you watch a film, and I think SNI had quite often this experience going to the film house and watching something going, what was this? <laughs> so um, we really wanted to have a festival where we can really sort of put the audience um, in the centre and, you know, sort of kind of tell them a little bit about our cultures. Um, but also, you know, let them ask questions and, um, yeah, hopefully also connect all these films because, you know, at the end of the day, we live in a globalized world now. So some of the issues that, you know, some of the characters that are in the films are facing in Japan are not so different from the ones exactly. in Hungary or in France. So perhaps you could tell us how many films are in the festival and uh, who chose them and why. <laughs> okay, so um, there are going to be four films. Um, we're gonna film. Uh, we're gonna screen a film every week. So every screening takes place on Thursdays at 6 p.m. in November, and everybody actually chose their own film. So because you know there's this whole idea about news from home, so everybody was responsible for their own film. Uh, François Giro from the French department. His film is called Jeune Femme, and uh, Richard Elliot. Uh, he's doing uh, English lit, and his film is called Pilgrim Hill which is an Irish film. Northern Irish. <laughs> Northern Irish, actually, yeah. <laughs> and, um, I don't know, my film, I, I have kind of like a personal relationship to it. I really love this film. And also, as Chantal mentioned, this is an award-winning film, so it's officially a good film. <laughs> In my case, I selected a film which is a bit controversial. I really wanted the audience to... Um, have a different experience of um, a Japanese film because I think you know a lot of the times people are like oh yeah animation is very sweet but no you know a lot of the Japanese films can be very brutal and I think um, you know they they will probably have a lot of questions about this so um, you know it would be great for us and be there and be like hey so you know this is the context this is happening yeah. and um, yeah um, so is is it basically promoting in a way or bringing 
not so commercial films to the audiences, pretty much. Is that the idea, in a way? Because, as you said, it's not necessarily... There is this idea um, that audiences see particular genre, almost, of films that come from Japan. And is this about saying, well, actually, that is not entirely the case and it doesn't necessarily represent the society of Japan? Is, is that sort of where yeah. you're coming from? Yeah, coincidentally, I think all of our films are quite independent, although Esther's film won the uh, Golden Bear last year in Berlin. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but in the, at least in the case of Japan, you know, even the blockbuster films don't really even make it here, apart from maybe, you know, one or two a year. And you mentioned that you wanted to have the audience in the centre. How did you actually go about doing that? All of these films are going to be introduced. So um, in my case, actually, David Sorf is going <laughs> to do an introduction with me. Uh, or in Chantal's case, also, Chantal's supervisor, Dr. Chris Perkins, is going to introduce the film with Chantal. And um, there's also going to be a post-screening uh, discussion where the audience can ask their own specific questions. And... Um, um, in, in Francois's case, also, the assistant director is coming, so she's going to be here in person, so that's going to be really exciting. And in my case, there's going to be a Skype interview, uh, hopefully a live Skype interview with the director, Ildiko Enyadi, so hopefully that's also going to be something really exciting that people can uh, actually ask questions from the director herself. And uh, uh, what also makes the festival uh, attractive, potentially, for the audience is there's going to be free drinks, so... <laughs> And uh, yeah, then again, like all of these films have something in common. So we wanted to, you know, show something that maybe like something culturally specific, like a local topic, and then talk about how the audience can reflect on these issues, maybe in like a more, like in a, a broader question or like reflecting on these issues as like something more global. And who are you hoping is going to come to see the films? So the festival is not only open for students and staff, but also for the public in general. So admission is free. Uh, We only ask people to register on Eventbrite so that we know how many people are interested in the screenings. And we actually got pretty good response. Um, So so now we have around 50 people um, who who expressed interest uh, through Eventbrite. And we're hoping, you know, that also people who are not necessarily film students or not necessarily students will come. So we put up posters and we advertised the event on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and... Contacted every single <laughs> Japanese society there is, <laughs> in my case. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, subsequently with the others, we, you know, contact the French people and the yeah. Irish and Hungarian. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So in terms of the discussion afterwards, uh, which I, I think you are leading that those discussions, aren't yes. you? Um, what, are you, what are your expectations in terms of maybe audiences' reactions and also their general response to what they're going to see? Well, I'm hoping that they um, not just see this, you know, this obscure, weird horror film, but actually go, okay, this is really interesting. So something as horrible as Fukushima happens, and then someone makes a horror film about this. So this is about sort of like how everyday life changes and, um, you know, how um, sort of this reflects on the film and it's giving or I'm hoping to to be able to show people you know a different perspective and um, so I'm hoping that uh, the responses will be good but again it's a bit of a difficult film so maybe I'm also a little bit scared (laughs) but um, um, so people listening to this would would have either seen the film 
or it will be after, you know, this, this podcast is going out after the first screening, which is tomorrow, which is 8th, <laughs> 8th of November 2018. So perhaps, now you, you just said Fukushima, what, what is that? <laughs> right, so uh, this is my research. I'm looking at um, uh, trauma and Fukushima. So in a nutshell, the Japanese and the government tried to frame um, the events of the tsunami, earthquake and uh, Fukushima nuclear accident in 2011 as this kind of national collective trauma. And then you have a lot of films that are going, well, you know, that's not really true. We didn't all experience the same thing. Um, you know, people in Tokyo, you know, didn't really have to go through this, but then also maybe they suffer from other things. So um, you have um, a wide spectrum of films that came out, and they're still coming out um, after this, and they're all sort of dealing with, you know, what's going on in society. But a lot of them are also really highlighting that, you know, we are traumatized, but we're not really traumatized by, um, by what happened uh, in 2011. We're not traumatized by Fukushima, we're traumatized by something completely different, and these are the ongoing social problems um, that Japan's been having, you know, kind of because of globalization. So this is also how to bring it back um, with this. So I'm hoping also to highlight this uh, in, in Kotoko, the film that I'm going to show, that um, it's kind of using Fukushima and the fear of radiation to say, but actually to say something completely different, to make um, aware that women in Japan are still having it really difficult and you know that has nothing to do with radiation but you know to, to you know it's a big topic so people want to talk about it so they're kind of using the discourse um, to use it for their own cause. I suppose it's an interesting mix of natural disaster and cultural disaster so on the one hand it's a tsunami some natural event which may or may not be linked to climate change and or whatever but also, in fact, that's less interesting than the cultural thing, that in fact it's the nuclear station which killed people rather than the tsunami itself. And then, of course, as you said, that, that kind of that cultural reaction to this event. Yes, and one of the most interesting things about the film is also that um, it came out, it premiered in Venice six months after the accident, so all the disasters, and um, this is at the time when Japan was in national mourning, um, which means that you know the conservative voices in society kind of went entertainment films. We don't want any of this. We don't want you to make films. You know we need to mourn. And this is when uh, Shinya Tsukamoto, the director, goes, "No, you know I'm making a film, and I'm making this about." Um, the radiation in Fukushima, all these things. I mean, it's not like in, directly in the film, it's very implicit, um, but it's there. And uh, the sort of questions that he asks in the film is um, so it's about the single mother and what it means to have a child, you know, in, in this environment, what foods to eat, where, where can the child play. Um, so these are all new questions that people in Japan were facing and are still facing today. Um, yeah, so. You know, horror is not a completely inappropriate genre to explore this. Chantal, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about the director of Kotoko, because he's a very interesting figure. Yes, so um, Shinya Tsukamoto became famous for Tetsuo the Iron Man, this was 1989, and he subsequently also made two more Tetsuo films. Um, it's like this cyberpunk 
black and white experimental film and it's very interesting and uh, but he was this this is how he also kind of became famous in the West and um, you know at the moment although Japanese cinema has never been so interesting than it is at the moment that they're struggling to bring their films to the West and there's only like a handful of directors and Sukamoto is one of them who kind of you know who, who finds distributors who are willing to bring his films um, either to the cinema not so often but it happens sometimes and but definitely as DVDs he is um, he's also he's an actor as well he's doing everything from the music to the set design he's producing he's he kind of resurfaced again because he was in Scorsese's Silence two years ago. He's the guy at the cross who dies in the sea. <laughs> um, so he was, you know, he was like, oh my god, who is this person? Because um, that, you know, he was so much like part of the film. And then you're like, oh, okay, so this guy is not even a proper di- a proper actor. He's actually a director. And um, he was also in the uh, the uh, reboot of the uh, new Godzilla film. Uh, year and a half ago so you know he's um he's kind of like having a second wave in his career which is very exciting to see we try to get a hold of him but he just had a film coming out um literally this month so um yeah he's really really busy but it's good to see that you know he's now sort of like doing a bit bigger things as well what's also amazing to me is that you actually got to you, you got some people coming over or you know you speak to them via Skype or you reached out to the director and it seems like it's not impossible, you know, in a way, that the world is actually quite small. And in a way, it is because of globalisation, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and maybe one question related to globalisation as well is um, how would you identify the problem of getting more sort of foreign films over, like from Hungary or maybe from Japan? Um, or do you, do you feel that there are enough foreign films available to you? Well, you know, whenever I say to someone I'm doing Japanese studies and I'm looking at Japanese films, they go, oh, I'm so sorry, I have not watched anything. And I'm like, no, it's not you, it's the industry. So, um, you know, Japanese film industry has some problems, but it's also sort of, you know, maybe just, it's like, how much do you really know about Japan apart from the stereotypes? And, um, you know, some of the films, again, they're quite brutal, and they're really sort of, you know, about all these social problems, and they're not easy to watch. So I don't know to what extent the West will go, yeah, you know, animation's fine, and we want the sort of, you know, happy world, but are we really willing to sort of look at the, you know, the the ugly things as well? So maybe this is why it's not really happening. But at the same time, again, maybe when we can contextualize it, when we can say, look, this is happening, but it's not so different from what's happening here, then maybe, you know, you would look up the film different and you find it interesting. So, yeah, this is kind of the aim mm-hmm. of the festival. Yeah. I guess this is really what we are trying to do, that, for example, in my case, you know, when I say that I'm from Hungary or have you seen any Hungarian movies, usually the answer is no. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess that's what we are trying to do, that, you know, bringing maybe a bit more attention to these films because I think a lot of the times people might not even know or might not have not even heard about these films and they're actually pretty amazing. Mm. Should we talk about, about your film and maybe about your choice and what the film is about and all these kind of things? Sure. Um, so my film is called uh, On Body and Soul. It's a film uh, directed by Ildiko Enyadi. And uh, we're actually really proud of this film because it won the, be- the biggest prize, the Golden Bear, at the 2017 Berlin International Film Festival. And it was also nominated for the Academy Awards uh, in the Best Foreign Language Film uh, category. 
so go hungry. <laughs> I really like this film. It's um, it's an interesting love story between uh, two people who work at a slaughterhouse, and uh, in 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 their real life they struggle with uh, social relationships, but then they make this very interesting discovery regarding their dreams. And I don't really want to spoil it because maybe there are some people who actually haven't seen the film. Uh, because I think if you if you watch this film without knowing this what what they actually discover, it's a very interesting discovery that you know you can also discover for yourself. Because the film spends quite a lot of time, you know, like preparing the audience for this. Um, but there is this very interesting uh, juxtaposition between um, this uh, claustrophobic brutality of you know how the cattle is held in a slaughterhouse, uh, and on the other hand, the kind of like majestic and unrestrained beauty of the deer, like, you know, the freedom of the deer in the forest. The director, Ildiko Enyadi, she actually said that um, she wanted to portray the uh, uh, slaughterhouse in this very naturalistic and very, like, brutal kind of way in order to, you know, to convey, like, strong emotions. Um, because it was, it, this was based on a, on a personal observation that uh, people who work in hospitals, like in Hungary, they a lot of the times they don't really show that much respect towards, you know, the life and death that they are entrusted to them. Can you tell us a little bit more about the director? I think what, what the director or what the film is really interested in is kind of this relationship between dream and reality and if the dream can actually become reality, which I think is really interesting. So Ildi Kuanyad is actually um, famous from her earlier film, which was made in 1989, and it's called My 20th Century. Mm -hmm. So if you say the name and someone has heard about her, it's definitely... It, it, before this film, it was because of My 20th Century. Uh, her career is kind of interesting because then... Uh, after that film was a big success, uh, she basically didn't really direct like a, a feature film for like 30 years. I mean, she was uh, she did some uh, television films and she was involved in with a with a, um, a series. Um, I don't know if you have heard about In Treatment for HBO. Mm -hmm. It's 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 an adaptation of an American. Uh, TV series. Yeah, there's one in, Czech, in the Czech Republic as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Actually, I think the original is an Israeli TV mm -hmm. show mm -hmm. in treatment. So she directed episodes for that. So this was uh, On Body and Soul was a really big comeback for her. So um, after 30 years, she came back and she won in Berlin. It was nominated for Academy Awards. So mm -hmm. it's an interesting mm -hmm. career. And in a way, because I just realized that all of us are not British, right? I, I think, David, you, you were born in Czech Republic, is that right? No, I was born in South Africa. But uh, what is your relationship with Czech Republic? My parents are Czech. Mm. Uh, so mm. we kind of, we all have, I mean, I suppose everyone today has some sort of relationship with any foreigner. You know? <laughs> in a way, I wonder, how, how do you see the medium of film and how it can make this reality a bit closer to you? So for someone who's actually British and who's never been to Hungary or Japan mm. or even Slovakia, you know, how mm. do you... How do you think films can do that? Mm. You know, capture an image of society that you've not mm. you've not experienced before. But this is the beauty of films, isn't mm. it? Because you're really sort of following someone's story, and stories, in a way, are kind of universal or global. <laughs> who knows? Um, so you know, you you get to know the culture through the eyes of this character, and you're following this character, and hopefully you're emotionally invested as well. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, this is why I love films. <laughs> There's also that sense of the kind of 
normal sense of film that it's actually capturing images of the real world. Now, I'm mm. a great realist, mm. but, you know, when you watch films like on Body and Soul or Japanese films, you go, oh, that is what this place looks like. Mm. If you're reading a novel, the description mm. in words is always going to be a description. And in some sense, it's always, for a novel, always can be translated. Whereas mm. with film, everybody speaks subtitle. And if you watch enough Japanese films, you can pretend you can actually speak Japanese because mm. you recognise four words out of every 300. But because you're reading the subtitles, and in a way it gives you an access to society both through language and through image. Which I think yeah. is but really I think in a way that image is very limited at the same time because there are things that are so deeply culturally embedded um, that, you know, whenever... If I showed you a film from... Slovakia or Czech Republic, you know, I could relate to it so much and I would see these little things, you know, in, in the setting, in, in the character traits, stuff like that, that you would notice perhaps, but you would never maybe understand the, the meaning behind it. And I think in a way that's something where maybe films not are lacking, you know, they have other tools of doing that. Mm. But at the same time, you know, with words, maybe you can... You can understand that a bit better with images. You know that there are limitations to them. It just made me think of um, in, in in the case of On Body and Soul, the humor in the film, and you know it, it's made me think you know how much the, f the humor in the film is translatable, because I had this experience that when I watched the film with someone else who wasn't a Hungarian person, for example, Action <laughs> uh, I loved way more than they did yeah. because I think a lot of the humor in the film is also like you know how people greet each other or um, how and what, what names they're using um, how they you know um, the formal or the informal way of speaking and uh, it was so well done in the film and you know to me that was profoundly funny whereas maybe for a more like an international audience I mean I'm not saying the film is not funny it's just that you know some of the humor is maybe yeah, might yeah, be lost we watched them. it in Berlin in yeah. the press training yes. <laughs> so I was the only person laughing <laughs> it's like oh my god <laughs> I, mean, I think that's the beauty of, of um, screenings where you have multiple people right because and I think that that happens with any film that's not been necessarily made perhaps in Hollywood you know because those are so global um, but you watch a film from New Zealand Slovakia Hungary you know anywhere and you realize that oh this is something different and and you can't that it's almost like having this sense for it you know like even when I watch films of Emil Kusturica and and he's Serbian and he's he's doing films of Balkans and stuff like that. Even I can, I, I feel like that somehow is part of my experience mm. just because I'm from Slovakia. Can can you relate to that? Yeah, but I think also in the you know in the case of humor, it, it can be like a very like national thing mm -hmm. that you know that what people find funny and why yeah. they find it funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. An another kind of humor in the film is it's very like deadpan, which is also you know sometimes I think the audiences wonder if you know is this supposed to be funny or am I supposed to laugh at this. Yeah. Because as I said, the, the 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 protagonist she kind of like struggles with like you know normal everyday like social interactions, so a lot of the acting is really that bad. So you know maybe some people find it funnier than others. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean even you know with the same films, I think you you'll find that when I was younger there was this one film that is screened in Slovakia every Christmas and. I remember thinking, oh, do you know, this is not funny. Like, this is, I, I didn't really know how to react to it. But with time again, and as you age, you realise, oh, my God, this is hilarious, mm -hmm. you know. And again, so I, I guess with audiences, it's quite, it's quite 
interesting to just notice what people, what experience they, they go into um, the film and stuff like that. So maybe that brings us on to, you've, you've chosen a, a, a very specific epitaph for your festival. Do you want to talk about yeah. the quote uh, on the posters? So the, the quote uh, is by Arundhati Roy, and it's, uh, it says, the only uh, thing worth globalising is dissent. So, yeah, we wanted to have a catchy quote to, you know, and people passing the poster going, oh, what is this? And we thought it was quite controversial. Um, Arundhati is a writer. Um, she, um, she's an activist. She is anti-nuclear, <laughs> which is great for me. <laughs> and um, I think what we're getting at with this quote is sort of, um, on one hand, we're very fortunate to live in this global world. As you said, we can get hold of the directors, we can show these films. It's really, really amazing. I think what we're not so much agreeing is, agreeing with is the sort of like, um, you know, neoliberal sort of culture. So, you know, economy, society, it's really the sort of neoliberal culture that we live in at the moment. And um, this is not what we're agreeing. You know, we, um, we feel like it's you know part of part of the problem with this neoliberal culture is that the, the narratives are all sort of you know becoming the same as a set with trauma the government goes you know everyone went through the same thing so you know everyone has to pay the ta has to pay taxes now but that's not true we all have our individual stories and um, this is what we want to highlight yeah, I guess we also try to be a bit controversial. So what we're trying to do is not only talk about actors and directors or, oh, the acting was great or something like that, but also maybe talk a bit about politics and uh, give a bit of context so that you know, we, we can have a better understanding of, of these films. Could you maybe talk about the technical aspect of, um, you know, from how do you get from having an idea about I want to do a film festival to actually having it tomorrow? <laughs> yes. So when we had the idea, we um, contacted Careers and uh, we had a meeting with them and you know, they kind of gave us the idea of actually keeping it small and then maybe afterwards approaching, you know, say the film house. Because obviously there are a lot of film festivals, but in order to really say, you know, this is a niche, um, you know, why would they believe us? But if we come and go and say, hey, you know, 50 people came to the screening, then that's a whole different you know, story. So um, we had a lot of support from, yeah, from Rossman Careers, um, but we also sat down, I think, I don't know, most, you know, quite often during the summer and brainstormed and thought about how to get people involved and uh, what films are good. Um, and then we saw the, um, we saw that the initiative grant was sending out forms and we're like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe we can do this. Um, so Esther was away at the moment, at the time, but, um, so Francois and Richard and I sat down and we did the application together um, and yeah, we, it was quite specific so you had to tell them, you know, what we're going to use the money for, like, like break it down really specifically and um, we did all of that, we did the research, um, yeah, and they thought, you know, it was worth funding so thank you to the Innovation Initiative Grant and the LLC Student-Led Initiative Grant. And I think what's also important to mention is that I think when you go about to organize a film festival, you have to find your own niche. So you have to find you know something specific, like why is your festival more interesting than others, and how what what new thing can you like bring in with your festival? I suppose that's quite similar to how you go about your PhD as well. Isn't <laughs> it? You have to be so specific and particular, and mm -hmm. it can't just be any other thing. 
Um, so in terms of sort of the future of the festival, I mean, obviously you, you are doing it for the first time, but in terms of maybe next year and stuff like that, do you have plans for actually keeping it up? I mean, I would, I would assume so, but... Um, yeah, um, I mean, we haven't really thought about it, how it will continue, but I think just yesterday we said, let's get the uh, one-year license <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and screen films. So, um, yeah, we'll have the chance to maybe show some other films. Great, thank you for joining us. And for more information about the News From Home Film Festival, please go to film.llc.ed.ac.uk. Um, and of course, um, there's lots more information about the podcast and the various other things we're doing at Film Studies or in Film Studies at the University of Edinburgh. Thank you again, Esther and Chantal, for joining us today. Um, and we look forward to speaking to someone else next time. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Bye.